On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and I'm excited to welcome Danielle Dinkelman today. How are you today? Doing so good. Thanks for having me, Lori. Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be really fun. So before we dive into your work as, you know, a kind of a wellness coach, uh, speaking of the well-rounded aspects of, of living life, but could you tell us a little bit just about your journey into, you know, searching for health and wellness and, and what led you down this path to reaching out and helping others? Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's been like a, this breadcrumb trail that has come bit by bit. And like many people, it kind of starts with a challenge that shows up, right? And for me, I had never really struggled with, um, you know, some of the bigger issues that I now help a lot of people with. But for me, it started with a car accident, really. Um, I rolled my car at 85 miles an hour going down the highway here in Utah, and it wrecked me. Uh, I was blessed and lucky to walk away uh, and be able to walk and all those good things. Um, but from then on, I had chronic um, headaches and pain, major whiplash injury, wear your seatbelt. <laughs> Grateful I was wearing my seatbelt. But it kind of threw me into a new place of my body was not letting me live the life I wanted to live. And so I very quickly had to start looking at, okay, what can I do lifestyle wise to help and support my body and heal? Um, so for me, that really took this route of, you know, chiropractic, massage, those things. But from there, I had a really wonderful massage therapist that said, hey, Danielle, if you really want to maintain the work that we're doing in this massage work, you've got to move your body more. You've got to be lengthening those muscles on your own. So I looked into and got going with yoga. Um, I needed to get stronger. And so I got into running and slowly but surely, I started to feel better. The headaches went away. It was wonderful. So the yoga and the running and the massage, all of that kind of coalesced into a healing, setting your environment for healing. How did yeah. you start saying like, wow, I'm really starting to make some changes here. What was, was there like a moment or you're just like suddenly you're looking back over a year or whatever long that was and go, whoa, that was an incredible journey. <laughs> oh, I was just so actively looking for relief that, mm. that I was just like doing everything I can. And it was almost immediate, like within weeks of being more active, my body felt stronger and less pain and all of those things. Meanwhile, I was raising little kids and they, they were healthy, things were good, but um, this is kind of where the nutrition piece of my journey came in was, I just started noticing how quickly we would burn through snack food. You know, <laughs> you go to Costco and you get the big giant, bags of pretzels and goldfish, all those normal foods that people feed their kids. And, mm -hmm. and they would just burn through what I thought would last for a month. It was like gone in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So I became very interested in understanding food better. Um, and that's when I first learned about, you know, the difference between a processed food and a whole food and the importance of fiber in our diet and how that helps with being satiated, all these things. And it led me down this rabbit hole over the next few years of going back to Netflix and watching all those documentaries. And eventually I came to plant-based nutrition mm. and, oh my goodness, that really resonated with me, especially, um, both sides of my family have heart disease and strokes and dementia. 
So when I watch Forks Over Knives and they're telling me that I have a little bit more say or a lot more say in my health outcomes, that was the big paradigm shift for me realizing, okay, yeah, this healthy lifestyle with exercise makes a big difference, but wow, look what we can accomplish with nutrition. Mm. So I was, I was all in. So me and my husband and my four little kids have been whole food plant-based since January of 2017. And there's lots more that has come since then, but that was kind of the beginning for us. That's fantastic. And what year was your accident? That was back in 2006. So this really, this has, if you look at the big picture, it's been a long time coming and I love looking back though. Right. And seeing how, like, I believe that all these things kind of come together for us and things Mm -hmm. are placed in our path at the right time, just what we need. And it's, that's definitely been the case for me. How old are your kiddos now? Right now, my oldest is 12. Um, 12, nine, seven, and five. We have oh quite the little circus we call them. <laughs> that is that is definitely a three or four ring circus, so to speak. I totally yep. get it. Those are fun ages. Um, how are they doing? I mean, they probably well, it's been four years, so your oldest would remember eating maybe not necessarily a whole food plant based diet. How has that been going? Mm-hmm. The transition. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been an adventure the whole time and it still is right. We Mm -hmm. still, we still broach the topic of food choices all the time. Um, Overall, they've, they've adjusted fantastically. You know, when you think you, you look at, as a mom, you look at what you're currently feeding your kids. And if you're still in the, in the standard American uh, diet, you kind of look at your kids and you think there's no way they could live without cheese. There's no, they'll hate me. There will be mutiny. Um, and yes, there was pushback, but uh, we found, we found ways to get them on board. And really the key for me was teaching them what I was learning myself. I was, I was a student too, of this new way of thinking about food. And the more I just brought them into that conversation and shared my excitement about it, Plus they were young enough at the time. It was just kind of this lovingly putting my foot down and saying, okay, see this big block of cheese? Once it's gone, mommy's not buying anymore. <laughs> so making, no. making those slow transitions. It's a great, that's a great way approach. I literally did it overnight. They were 13, 15, and 18. And, yes, I remember um, hearing your story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so honestly, you know, we just, we said, I said, well, God bless my husband's understanding me. But I just, at home, this is what we're doing. But outside the house, y'all do what you want. But it was that education piece, right? It's that component now that they're almost, you know, I have one's almost 23, 25, 27. Emily's going off to be a doctor and teaching her own patients plant-based nutrition. This is really important because you're setting a life for their future, but also everyone that they touched, including their own family, their friends, their colleagues, patients. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, it's a really fun thing to see them evolve into adults and touching and reaching other people. Um, it's, 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 it's a, it's a repercussion of your blessing. It's just like, it's awesome. Um, yeah. fantastic. And so tell me a little bit about your work and then we can get into a book that you wrote. And I think it's wonderful. Um, just describing how did you go from this accident, finding your own healing, you know, your family bringing them into the fold of, of nutrition, how did this evolve into, you know, I want to help others outside of these four walls? Yeah, it honestly, 
it came by surprise to me. Uh, initially, I was very getting into this for my own well-being and for my children and for my husband. Um, but it honestly only took about six months into my plant-based part of my journey that I started getting really just inspired and passionate. And I'm a naturally very extroverted person. And I'm, I've I've always been a teacher of some kind. My, my background is actually in music and I've always taught private lessons and I've always been fascinated um, and so interested in helping people transform. And so it used to be with my music students of getting them from you know, point A to point B over you know, the first time they pick up their instrument to the time that they're performing in concerto competitions. And so I really started to have that same desire grow in me to do that with whole food, plant-based nutrition, and with the healthy lifestyle piece, there was quite a, there was quite a moment for me really that it felt like a little bit of a calling eventually. Um, and that was in August of 2017. And I was, I was going for a run and we were, we were up in Bear Lake, um, beautiful area here um, in Northern Utah. And I, I got to the top of this mountain and I was just reflecting personally on all of the things that had fallen into place for us. My husband had been um, diagnosed with cancer um, just a few months earlier. And I was able to use all the things that I'd learned about nutrition and healthy lifestyle to help him in that journey. That's a whole other story. But I was just so full of gratitude. And in that moment of gratitude of what I'd been able to do for myself and my family, this little voice came very strongly and said, look, I didn't give you all of this for you to keep it to yourself. You're supposed to help other people be successful too. And I literally just kind of like looked left and right, like me, who me? Because I was, I was so steeped in music and teaching at that time that I thought, okay, well, guide me, show me where to go. And, and sure enough, those breadcrumbs just got put in place. Um, and I found a fantastic um, program for health and wellness coaching actually based there in Colorado oh. and um, kept going, kept running with it and went all the way to a national board certification. And so now I've been coaching um, mostly since the beginning of um, 2018. So yeah. Fantastic. And so tell me a little difference between someone who hasn't had coaching experience as far as like a certification and training and coaching. What is the difference between someone who really understands the theory and the practical application of well-recognized coaching practice versus someone who's like, I've had a great journey. Let me help others because I, I mm. see a difference in the quality yeah. and the outcomes with the success rates of their clients, any thoughts or yeah. suggestions as I really think that's important. It's huge. And I, I thank you for asking that question because as I dove into, you know, out of my passion for plant-based nutrition, I, I really kind of came up with this question of, okay, I had my experience and I know it worked for me, but the question that I was asking was how can I help other people be successful? How can I help other people change? Mm -hmm. And I was wise enough at the time to know that just because it, a certain way worked for me doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna work for everybody universally. So the power of really gaining legitimate evidence-based behavior change um, understanding and, and coaching skills is really that ability to come side by side with a client and help them help draw out of them with your coaching skills, which is really just the art of asking the right questions, helping them tap into their own motivation, their own why, um, I always say, you know, I'm, I'm here to help clients do what they're ready, willing, and able to do. And 
so often clients have a hard time tapping into that for themselves. And it's so powerful to have a skilled coach with them to navigate this and to, for when obstacles come up and the excuses come, right? A coach can help them navigate through that. Whereas someone that was just you know, sharing their personal experience might just 100% be leaning on, well, this is what worked for me. And, oh, you should do this. Giving advice, which is not coaching. Coaching is not consulting. It's not teaching. It's guiding. It's being just that navigator and that partner with your client. So what are some of the first questions you ask for someone who comes to you with a particular problem? How do you begin to frame the approach that you'll take with each patient or patient client? Um, <laughs> patient client. <laughs> yeah. So you have someone who comes to you and let's say whatever the, the discussion might fall into whatever problem that they're wanting to discuss. How do you look at this one and say, okay, this is where we're going to start or do you let them lead? Like, how does that, how does that formulate in, in that evolving relationship? Yeah. Um, it definitely starts with me just inviting them to share their story. And I just want to hear all of it. And most of the time they feel like they're talking too much. They feel like they're sharing too much, but that's exactly what I need in order to understand where they're coming from and where they've been. That is so important. If we don't know that, then we're kidding ourselves of how much we're going to be able to help someone. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to hear their story. I want to hear all of it. <laughs> and then I, I want to know what their goals are. What, is, what do they want to create that's different than what they've been creating up to this point in their lives and in their health? So where, where do they want to go? What are their goals? And then I want to know what they think the, the real problem has been or the real challenge, the real obstacle. And if they can articulate that, then we just run with that. If they're not quite sure, they share more of their story. And I can usually use some reflections to reflect back to them and say, it sounds like this really showed up for you again and again, and that really got on your way. And so I can help clients find a lot of clarity to their own story that maybe they hadn't been able to get to. Yeah. And then from there, we, we go where they're willing to go. And I definitely use my coaching skills to, to guide them with where I, I feel and think that they would be willing to go and things that they'd be willing to try. Do you ever have people have epiphanies? So like sometimes like for patients, sometimes they're so focused, for example, I'm just being a physician, there's a lot of coaching. We, and honestly, medical students and residents should go through a, a literally a coaching certification of some sort because that really yes. is a lot of what we're doing because we're trying to initiate behavior change for right. different health outcomes um and some people are more skilled at that than others um and some not at all but uh the interesting thing was how do you look at someone and you say they're so focused on a number on the scale like i, mm. I need to lose weight but there's so much more that's hindering that progress that so we have to kind of pull back and say let's put that aside for the moment and let's look at your overall health and focus in yeah. on those things. How do you get them looking at really what matters versus what they think is the matter? Like, how does that shift yeah. in conversation occur? What is your, is there a magic power that you have to help someone see more clear really what the bigger goal is that will actually get them to that finish line, but there's a much bigger finish line they're not seeing quite yet. Yes. Oh, good question. So this is the big piece of my coaching practice that I'm most interested in. I am most interested in helping people not necessarily get to a certain number on the scale, 
one way to think of it is, you know, I want I want to help you gain health, not just lose weight. And so, you know, with, with someone that's really steeped in diet culture and they are really kind of tunnel vision around the weight loss piece and they think that that's their only problem and that it's the only thing that they need to focus on, it's really a matter of helping them see the difference between a diet and a lifestyle and inviting them, you know, to notice parts in their own journey where they have called it a lifestyle, but they're really still using dieting tactics, which is these mindsets of this all or nothing, right? Or sprinting to the finish line or go big or go home, doing everything in their power um, and not letting it unfold, not letting it feel enjoyable enough that it will actually feel sustainable. So I will often bring things into the conversation that will maybe get them to think about it from a more sustainable change perspective. And, and wouldn't, they, wouldn't they rather have slow but steady progress and then maintain it for the rest of their lives rather than dropping 50 pounds in six weeks and then, yo you know, just, I mean, anyone you talk to that have, has done a diet has probably had that yo-yo effect, that, that roller coaster, and they hate it. They hate it. So, so I'm offering them another way. I'm offering them another option. And it does require some significant mindset shifts. It does require them to let go of that number that's on the scale and for them to focus on the things they can control. So what I do in my coaching practice a lot is instead of focusing on outcomes, we actually focus on the process um, and the behaviors that will lead to the outcomes they want and kind of letting the outcomes take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's almost like being mindful of the journey, right? So you're slowing yeah. down and understanding that this is a process and that's really um, it's interesting. So when I'm working with my patients, you know, for example, with my diabetics, I have so many diabetics we do need to pay attention to numbers because that can have devastating consequences for a of variety course. of reasons, medications, whatever. But it's really interesting in that process, you know, over the course of months, weeks to months, they'll see this really nice steady decline. But what's mm -hmm. interesting is I love to use, it's a similar, it's just a more of objective approach is I use a continuous glucose monitor. So I can see basically what's going on in a 24 hour period and it's, they don't have to poke their finger. It's just like, here, here's mm. what your body's doing. And then when we pull that out and we're saying, here's your journey through the day, these are some other things you can, some behaviors that will change the outcome of your blood sugars by what's occurring today. So it's a very similar thing. You're just looking at the data, like, here's what's mm -hmm. gotten you to this point. Let's reflect, like you said, reflecting on yep. the journey and let's change those little behaviors that we're going to change the dial a little one inch, but the outcome is 50 miles away from where you thought you were going to go. It's, it's really interesting to see people have that, uh, oh, uh, and they're yes. much, they're not a victim. They're actually in control of so much more of their lives than they think they do. I think that's the yeah. empowerment, which is really awesome yeah, with what you're, that type of thinking. Fantastic. And so as far as when you focus on gaining health, how do you verbalize that? How do you state that in English and words that people go, oh yeah, I want that because it seems so abstract to so many people, the word health. What, how do you make that more of a concrete approach or do you, how do, how do you move in that direction, that conversation? <laughs> Yeah, um, every client is a little different. It depends on the issues that they have, the diagnosis that they're dealing with. Um, but almost every single one 
can identify specific things that they want to feel a difference. They want to, they can feel it. It's not just their diabetic numbers. It's not just their blood pressure numbers that they only see every six months at the doctor's office. It's how they feel in their body day to day. And it's most often, it's just that physical energy. Um, and it's that mental clarity that everybody is craving. And we know that the more we're in the standard American lifestyle, the more brain fog we're going to have and the more fatigue and lethargy we're going to have too. So I often will help them just clue into that and we, we will have them put it in their own words so we can kind of create our own data points, right? For them to mm. say, well, I pretty much every, I've had a client every single day, I feel like I need a super long nap in the middle of the day and I'm exhausted mm. and I'm still exhausted by seven o'clock at night. I'm just so tired all the time. So that was her data point. And mm. three months later, how does your fatigue feel now? Well, I actually don't need a nap anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I feel really great all until eight or nine o'clock at night. And I, I, so that was her journey. And, and that's what we focused on more as kind of that feedback, even more than looking at the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, inflammation is a big one too, you know, inviting them to tune into what aches and pains do you have right now that you would love to see go away and really getting clear and you know, writing those down and then checking in six weeks, three months down the road. How's that feeling now? You know, we can always take things like that and we can put a number to it, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how bad is your, your joint pain? And, you know, we can see improvements over that. And sometimes it's immediate, man, when you start, when you start making these nutrition changes, it's just, it's amazing. Your body will thank you. (laughs) Your Mm -hmm. body responds. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting. Absolutely. So I use a, a, it's an interesting thing. So, cause people forget how bad they felt. So there's a thing I, I created called a medical, basically it's a symptom questionnaire. And so they would take these kind of objective, um, I get headaches, I'm fatigued, I don't sleep. And they would put in, you know, we quantify it with numbers, how many times per week or the severity and we'd add it up. And then we were, you know, when I'm doing lifestyle medicine, it's, it's looking into sleep and nutrition and exercise and your, how are you doing your mindfulness practices and what's your yeah. you know, relations, all of these things, looking at the overall picture of their health. And what's interesting is you go four, eight, 12 weeks later and you have them redo that. And they're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. been a 90% decrease in my headaches. I forgot about that. I think people honestly yes. living in the, to, in the modern world that we have, we don't know what it's like to be normal. Normal mm-hmm. is actually feeling well and having mental clarity and the energy to do everything you want to do and engage in those conversations and those relationships. We are so sick with just what we're feeding our body, how we're dealing with stress. We're just constantly dealing, just watching news and all these different things that we don't know what it's like to be normal. And so then when I tell, it's like giving people energy is like giving people money. It's like, it's oh, yeah. like the biggest prize. It's like, holy moly, I could do so much more, right? So I'm sure that's a lot of fun and uh, such a great reward for you. It is. Well, and it's so, when when you can get six, 12, 18, 24 weeks down the road and help them reflect on how far they've come and how much better they are feeling in their body Mm -hmm. and point out the fact that they are feeling better even though they haven't lost all the 50 pounds yet, that is that's very world changing for them to realize I can feel better now. I can feel better today and the next day and the next day. 
and just take the pressure off of the weight loss piece because there's so much, especially for women, especially for recovering yo-yo dieters, there's a lot of like trauma around this weight loss piece. So yeah, when we can tap into, like you're saying, quantifying these symptoms that are improving, that they that's when they really start to lean into this idea. Oh, I don't, I'm not focused on weight loss. I am focused on gaining health. And this is what health means to me. Right. Exactly. And I mean, you know, speaking to the female gender here, I mean, we start this when they are little, you know, yeah. especially you see these young kids wanting to dress up in um, makeup and high heels. And they start, you know, looking at it in social media, which I didn't deal with as a child. My, my right. kids are luckily a little bit, they weren't so interested. They were, all of my kids were athletes. There's like, I don't know, it's, they're not even on there. I, I'm on that actually social media way more than they are. And I always told them, I was like, once you have a Facebook account, I will be stalking you. So it's okay. <laughs> they're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know what they're doing on Snapchat, but anyway, um, but that, that really that piece to our young women is um, we're doing so much harm. Even myself, I've never had a weight issue, but my mother and my sister were always thinner than me. They're always like, oh, you're the big, big bone one in the family. Like, I've never been even overweight category, much less yeah. even in the middle of the healthy BMI. And so it's just even this bizarre attraction to what we think should be, you know, attractive or healthy. You know, we have so many different shapes and genetics and muscles, yeah. you know, and it's just all so very different. I'm like, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we allow yeah. our young women to be just bombarded with these unhealthy messages? It just warps into a really delusional thought process when they get older and it's really hard to overcome. Do you have any thoughts yeah. or help with, with those aspects of it? Because these belief systems run deep. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah. A big piece, a big piece of my coaching practice is working on the mindset parts. Um, and yeah, a lot of those really deeply held subconscious beliefs that we don't even know where they come from. We've just always had them. Um, we do focus a lot on just self-compassion and there's wonderful literature around this. Kristen Neff has done a fantastic job and many others of really teaching the science of self-compassion, of practicing it's basically the practice of acknowledging that you are having a human experience <laughs> if you're struggling with this or that, um, or if, you know, you don't look like the Barbie doll or whatever it is, and then being willing to speak and think thoughts toward yourself the way that you would speak to a friend or a sister or a daughter. And every single time I have a conversation with a client that is really struggling with a lot of negative self-talk, we will bring that up of, you know, many of them are parents, um, you know, and we, we talk about, okay, how do we choose to talk to our children? It's always with love and compassion and patience and forgiveness and, you know, always giving them the benefit of the doubt and all these things. And yet, we don't do those naturally for, for ourselves. We are our worst critic. We are, we say things to ourselves that we would never say to another human being. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we do have a lot of conversations and we talk about this a lot in the group coaching program that I do. And it's, it's just for women. And this is a big piece of the puzzle. If we can really start to cultivate a more positive self-talk and really cultivating 
I know it sounds kind of cliche, but really that self-love and that Mm self-compassion, that's foundational. Because if you look in the mirror and all you see is something that you hate, you're probably not going to get very far in your health journey. Um, There's so much more momentum that will come when we are coming from a place of love and compassion and gentleness and, you know, just letting go of that perfectionistic paradigm is so powerful. So getting more on a spectrum um, mindset and more of thinking of this as a process rather than a fixed thing that you're either pass or fail at any given time. Um, there's a great visual that I have in my book. Um, Dr. Travis, I think it's his illness wellness continuum and I, and it's arrows going in both directions. And at any point you can be even a quote unquote healthy person can be swung over kind of that illness side, but his teachings and and mine as well are very much, it doesn't really matter where you are on that spectrum as much as which direction are you facing. Mm -hmm. And when I share that with people that, that just takes so again, so much of that pressure off and it creates space mentally and emotionally for them to be patient and to be compassionate and to just say, all I need to do today is face in the direction I want to be facing mm-hmm. and, and catch myself when I'm turned around. That's it. That's such a yeah. comforting message. And it works. This is where learning and growth happens. When we are in a perfectionist mindset and this fixed mindset, as Carol Dweck teaches, I'm throwing all sorts mm-hmm. of resources out here, sorry. Mm-hmm. When no, we are in that fixed mindset, yeah, we, we don't learn. We don't grow. We are literally stuck mm-hmm. because if we can't be perfect, we're not going to do anything. Um, so if we can have a little bit more of a spectrum <laughs> going, mm-hmm. then we can make more progress much faster. So I'm curious, um, what are the practices that you've seen successful to help people really kind of bridge the gap from being here, being very self-critical, speaking mm-hmm. very hateful inner voice? You know, I've definitely spoke to my own patients about this. What have you seen practices that help people really bridge that gap and look in the mirror and say, this isn't someone I love. This is actually someone who I love and care about because when I do that, not only do I become a better person internally, externally as well, other people will benefit from my, my loving aspects versus my loathing aspect. What have you seen or help or help coach people to make that transition? Yeah. Um, three things come to mind right off the bat. Number one, a gratitude practice of some kind that just can rewire our brain to look for the positive more than the negative. Second one is positive affirmations. So in a coaching session, if we're kind of, if a client is having a moment of self-discovery of realizing, wow, I have always hated looking at myself in the mirror. I've always, I've always had negative thoughts. I will ask them, you know, what would you like to say to yourself in the mirror? What would you like that natural visceral reaction to be? And can you put it into words what you would like instead? Mm -hmm. And I'll have them craft their own positive reframe. Mm -hmm. And then we'll turn that into an affirmation by putting the words, I am, you know, like I am enough or I am perfect the way I am. I am good enough, you know, whatever it is that just resonates with that client. I had a third one. Let's see if it comes back to my brain. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it'll come back. Gratitude and just that, yeah, those positive affirmations are big. Catching themselves 
you know, catching themselves when they're speaking to themselves in a way that they would never talk to someone else mm -hmm. and noticing that. Oh, I think the other, the other one is, um, you know, if, if my clients are religious, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll tap into their spirituality a little bit of, you know, if they believe in God, I'll say, you know, how do you believe that God sees you? Because many people that believe in God, they believe they're, they're a child of God. There's, there's like a paternal relationship there. Mm -hmm. And that's really powerful to tune into. Um, those that don't necessarily subscribe to that, we can talk about vibration, right? And energy. And we can say, well, you know, those really negative thoughts toward yourself, is that a high vibration or is that a low vibration? What could you do to bring that vibration up a little bit? So again, meeting the client with where they're at and what their ways of looking at the world are and just, yeah, just little, little steps, little improvements. And it just takes practice, mm -hmm. but eventually you can get to the place. I've seen this in myself. I've seen this in family members. I've seen this in clients. We can get to the place that the natural reaction is a positive one and that we can mm -hmm. be in a place of self-acceptance. And, but it takes practice. And so do you mm -hmm. have, do you set intentions of practice through the day? Do you say like, oh, yeah. okay, first thing in the morning is what you do. So versus like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I know with my patients, I get very detailed with small actions. I'm like, listen, yeah. you say you're going to exercise, but that's, let's walk around the block. When, what time, how many days a yep. week I'm writing it down. So the next time you come back to me, this is what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> you know? So yeah. where, how do you do that? How do you find a point in place? Because is it first when they wake up in the evening? What, what do you like to do? Mm -hmm. Well, again, my job as a coach is really to come side by side and to draw out of them what they're ready, willing and able to do. So it will, mm -hmm. you know, saying I want to exercise more or saying I want to practice, you know, more gratitude or more positivity that I, I consider that an idea, <laughs> not necessarily mm -hmm. yet a plan. So an idea becomes a plan as soon as we do answer those questions that you brought up. So I'll put those questions to them of how often, when, what is this going to look like for you? And, you know, how long would you like to try it this way? So even just putting a container around it saying, I'm going to try it this way for the next week or the next month, rather than saying from now on, I will do this thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I've seen clients, you know, and it depends on their personality. Some people like having like a structure where it's morning, noon, and night. We do a lot of piggybacking with other habits, right? So if they mm -hmm. eat three times a day, um, or they brush their teeth twice a day and they're looking in the mirror, we kind of look for cues in, in their day-to-day -day routine that they could piggyback this new practice on. Mm -hmm. Other times I will have them create a when-then statement that when I notice that I'm having a negative thought about myself, I will repeat this affirmation. Very mm -hmm. specific, you know, so like you're saying, yeah, there's a big difference between an idea and a plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, there's a lot of that in... BJ Fogg's book, Tiny Habits, the when-then yeah. statements, the anchoring of a new routine to an existing routine, very powerful stuff. I, I took a, a course with him last summer and it was, it was really cool. It was well oh. worth all, it was amazing. Yeah, I learned so much. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I think there's so much more that people who care for others, like parenting, I almost feel like we shouldn't oh, yeah. be allowed to parent until we are been, went through like a crash course on parenting because you literally go to the hospital, there's two and now you come home with three, you're just like, what this little yeah. person I'm responsible <laughs> for, you know, because you speak to, you know, I, I did and I had these thoughts when you were speaking about, you know, as parents, we want to speak this way to our children. 
But I also think there are many times, and all parents probably do this at some point, none of us are of course perfect, is that we see the reflection of our, ourselves and our children's successes and their failures. Um, yeah. And we judge ourselves based on their outcomes of their own life and their own choices. And their like, again, like I said, academically, athletically, whatever that might be. And we may say things to our kids that they will take in a very different way than we meant you know, why did you do that? Look, you're not doing as well as this or whatever. And it's really interesting. So I think we even have to be careful. I'd say we even step outside of what we'd say to our children, but what would we say to an innocent child that we don't have that relationship with, or we're not having that subjective reflection back? Because honestly, I think as a parent, that's been a really interesting thing that I've noticed over the course of years of being a parent myself, but just being friends with many parents. And so um, any, any ideas or thoughts on how we even speak to our most loved close ones? Because honestly, I've seen some of the most greatest saboteurs of my patient success is family members. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, ah. absolutely. So a big piece. Yes. I, I like what you're saying. And I agree. I, I have four kids and I've definitely seen this. And I literally had this moment at the family reunion with, you know, in-laws and stuff. And I talked really gently to my nephew. And then I kind of spoke a little more sharply to my son, yeah. <laughs> even though they had done the exact same thing. And right. I literally looked up to grandma or grandpa and said, you can tell which one's my kid, huh? And it was <laughs> the one I was a little more firm with. Right. 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 So, so yeah, if it's more helpful to think, how would I treat someone else's child? Yes. Maybe that's even more helpful sometimes. <laughs> um, as far as family members being, unfortunately, the saboteurs of these healthy behavior changes we're trying mm -hmm. to support our clients or our patients in, this is a big one. We work on this a ton. Mm -hmm. And I love looking at this from the framework um, of you know working smarter, not harder. So pulling in not only, okay, are we tapping into our own willpower and motivation that's personal, that's internal for us, but then we have these two external pieces. And one is our environment, our physical environment. You know, what's the, what's the office environment? Um, what's, what food is in your car? What's in your fridge at home? That physical piece. And then there is that social piece. So any human person that impacts your life and your healthy habits, the people you work with, the people you live with, all of those, they will have an impact on you for good or for not great, right? So yes. when, when we're getting pushback, when we're kind of getting some saboteur things happening, um, I will often coach my clients through having a crucial conversation with them and having, you know, coming to them not accusing them, you know, we have to do, we have to do a lot of coaching here because sometimes relationships are a little strained already anyway, mm -hmm. but helping them find ways that they can come from a new, an emotionally neutral place as much as possible, not being like accusatory, you know, using those I statements, making it about you. I could really use help with this. I am struggling when such and such is available to me. Can you help me? Are there ways that you would be willing to support me? Um, I've coached clients to come up with respectful policies in the house that maybe the teenagers or the husband isn't willing to let go of their cheddar cheese or their, you know, steak every Sunday or whatever it is, the sugar cereal. We've all got our stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But how can we come together with them and realize that we actually both want the same thing? We both want to feel good and be happy 
And if you live with someone that loves you, chances are they want you to feel good and, and be happy too, but maybe they're not ready to make the same changes you are. Are there respectful policies we could put in place? An example of this is when we first dove into plant-based nutrition at my house, my husband was fine eating what I was gonna prepare for lunch and dinner and breakfast, but he was not ready to let go of his snack food and his mm -hmm. treats and all of these things. So the respectful policy we put in place was, okay, you can, you can buy those things. You will go to Costco to get them yourself. I will not be buying them. Mm -hmm. um, you will spend your own money on it, your play money. So kind of a financial piece, right? This is mm -hmm. not going to come out of the food budget anymore. Mm -hmm. And where is it going to live in the house that our children understand that we live in a, in a clean food environment? Mm -hmm. um, so th that food wasn't allowed to live up in the kitchen, in the pantry. It, it's in the basement, in the storage room. Mm -hmm. That was what worked for us at the time. And over time, he started making changes. He started getting hooked on how good he felt by eating the types of things that we were eating as a family and that gave him space to make his own choices but it helped me make the choices I wanted to make too and and support our kids in making that transition yeah this is a really interesting topic because you know after being a doctor for 20 years I've had some fascinating conversations and What's interesting is that when you look over the course of time and you really get to know a family, um, and that's really interesting as a physician, people are coming to you in a very vulnerable component of their lives. They're sharing things that they don't share with anybody else, oftentimes not even their own spouse. Um, and so it puts you in a really interesting place. Um, but what, you know, there are those respectful policies that can be put in place in many families. But then I found that there are some just really unhealthy relationships. So people will feel judged by other people's decisions to be healthy because they feel it's yeah. reflection on them. Like, so you're judging me. So they take it very, and I've even, I think we've probably all even experienced this going out to dinner with someone, you know, they're yeah. like, you don't even say anything. You just order your food. And they're like, oh, so you're ordering that. So you're saying what I'm eating is not healthy. I was like, did I say that? <laughs> you know, it's like, right. what just happened here? I'm not sure what conversation you just told yourself, but we didn't have that conversation. And so it was a really interesting thing to see um, almost a, an anger and a resentment that builds. And it's like this self creation delusional story that people are telling themselves just because their spouse or loved one is creating a healthier lifestyle. And yeah. oftentimes what I found, I can use the doctor card and I will use the doctor card and <laughs> I'll say, you know what, this telemedicine thing is great. Cause I'm in your home. I need your spouse or your whoever to be there at this next appointment. Nice. And I, you know, I will pull out the reins and say, listen, you have a diabetic hypertensive spouse. Do you want them to die earlier? I need you to come on board because this behavior of sabotage, you know, they're bringing in the pizza and like, Ooh, didn't it smell good. I mean, they literally do that on a regular <laughs> basis. Mm. I'm like, we need to talk. And sometimes I'll also use the approach. Um, I was like, listen, if someone has given you a hard time, this is what you tell them. He's like, my doctor told me to do this. I know it's crazy, right? But she's got some crazy idea that it's going to work. So I got to do what the doctor says. And I was like, leave it at that. And if they have an issue, they can come see me. I'd be happy yeah. to speak to them. You know, and oftentimes when the patients do that, they're like, oh, doctor told her. Okay, okay. You know, so that is at least easier on my side of things. 
but it is really hard for people sometimes, boy, or they're afraid to make the changes because their kids might throw a little fit. I'm like, how old are your kids? Four and six. I'm like, yeah, it's time to parent up, pull up the big girl panties and let's do this because they're depending on you. So, you know, I think we're afraid to make uh, causeways. We're afraid to do what's best for us because of the potential whiplash, but we have to do it. We have to do the hard conversations. We have to do the hard work. So don't be afraid. Just, you know, we've got to get started, even though it's a little step, but yeah, yeah, the work you do must be, it's phenomenal. As I know, I know what I do is a lot of work. It's exhausting sometimes, but it's so worth it in the end when you see patients just have tremendous turnarounds, but that, which gets us mm-hmm. to the book, I, which I think we're batting around the whole, the whole yeah, we've covered, that. we've covered yeah. a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about your book and why, you know, what was the impetus to actually write it and where can people get it and what should we be looking for it as a, as a tool to better health? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, so the name of the book is if diets don't work, what does, and (laughs) I'm really, I'm really attached to the subtitle too, which is a doable, enjoyable guide to living the life you want too often when we want to commence in a health journey, diet culture seeps in and we have this little Mm. voice in our head that tells us this no pain, no gain. And I'm really showing up in this book to teach you a way to debunk all the diet culture myths and to really learn and practice sustainable behavior change practices that we just don't hear enough about. It's not talked about in the media. It's not talked about and your girlfriends aren't going to talk about this because they're doing the fad diets. Mm -hmm. So yes, this is really, it's a self-coaching guide. Um, The impetus for this book was the fact that I found myself pretty much sharing the same framework and the same ideas and really not always in the same order, but eventually I found, okay, all my clients at some point need to understand diet culture and the harmful effects of it. And these are the pieces of the book. Okay. The other piece they need to understand is how to create healthy habits and how to make sustainable changes. And that's where that doable, enjoyable piece comes in really. Mm -hmm. If you guess what, as a human being, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're not going to continue doing it. And if we're interested in a sustainable lifestyle, we've got to enjoy the steps. We've got to enjoy this journey. Mm -hmm. So huge permission slip here to, you know, you want to go plant-based great find plant-based foods you love. Okay. Identify what's important to you. Is it more important that you have a delicious meal? Or is it more important that it's really simple to put together? You get to decide this is your journey. The other pieces that are so crucial and that we do talk about in the book, there's actually only one chapter in this book that's dedicated to food. Then there's four other aspects we focus on. We focus on prioritizing our sleep and then moving more, okay? Just moving more than you are right now is a great step. So exercise and then the stress management piece and the mindset. And then that fifth one is nutrition. So I just found without without exception, just focusing on nutrition wasn't enough for my clients to, to start creating that health and getting that energy back and decreasing pain and all of these things. They needed to be sleeping more. They needed to be moving more. So this book is really kind of a choose your own adventure that you can apply these behavior change principles to whichever of these areas you are ready 
willing and able to work on. And there's a lot of really helpful tools and resources in there that you don't even have to work with me. Um, this is actually a really great place to start they if should. you're not even Why sure we, about coaching. They should work. <laughs> as I really feel like we all have to have our mentors. So if you wrote the book, they should just work with you. I think this is, I mean, I'm totally impressed with what you're describing exactly works. I mean, a decades of experience helping people find healthier paths. You're exactly right in everything that you've been, your approach, everything. The whole David, don't get me wrong. I respect that there are things that will work with the David Goggins approach. Just like suffer through it, just do it. My boys mm-hmm. think they're the hottest, that's the coolest thing ever. It's like, I don't get it. I've had, but- I've had some male <laughs> clients that, that, that we will be in the middle of coaching and they will read that book and I'll be like, no, okay. I'm, I'm your coach. I'm here to support you in what you're ready, willing, and able oh. to do. But, but yeah, it, it creates what I call a rubber band effect, right? If we stretch so far, eventually that thing is going to either break or it's going to snap back and it's going to hurt. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's going to hurt. We want to avoid the roller coaster. So mm-hmm. how do we do that? We find our flow. We find our, our, not our comfort zone, not our panic zone, but in between the two in that learning zone. Mm-hmm. And so there's just not enough, there's not enough attention given to those principles. So mm-hmm. yes, grab a copy of the book, learn these principles. And then of course, if you are looking for someone that you want to come side by side, I do have one-on-one coaching. I do have a fantastic women's um, group coaching program Mm -hmm. and it's powerful. You know, we can't see our own blind spots and that's Mm -hmm. the other role of a coach or a well-informed doctor. Mm -hmm. These are the things that we need. We need someone to have their eyes on our journey as well as our own. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you this. It's really interesting. It was uh, when I started my own plant-based journey, it was a patient and her daughter who had significant improvement after an accidental recommendation to do a plant-based diet, which it didn't really even dawn on me. So it's a whole other story. But what was interesting is over the course of time, even that first year of trying to understand how to implement basically lifestyle medicine practices in early 2012 with patients and in my own life, which I mean, I'd already been active, active duty, Air Force, you know, active physically, we ate fairly well, we didn't eat necessarily a standard American diet, we certainly had elements of it, though, um, <laughs> upon reflection, but anyway, but that whole process, you know, that first year, you learn so much, but it's, what's interesting, though, was, is just how to approach patients, right, meeting them where they're at, and coming alongside of them, like you're describing, is really important, because in medicine, even, you know, in the late 90s, when I started medical school, you're looking at this, and they're teaching you a very paternalistic way, right, you prescribe the meds, you're in the power, you're in the authority figure side of things, granted, sometimes some patients, especially my older patients, are looking for that, they're like, just tell me what to do, because they just don't know where to start, and I'm okay to do that, that's fine, but at the same point, I need to tell you something that you still want to do. But that's the joy of things like the Tiny Behaviors or Tiny Habits book that I was reading. I became so intrigued with behavior design and how oh, yeah. this person lost 200 pounds and kept it off suddenly. Yeah. And my other person can't even lose, you know, keep their medications on a daily basis to control the blood pressure so they don't have another stroke. You know, these are these things that I'm thinking in my head going, what is the disconnect? So that's how I started the podcast five years ago is literally one, to meet awesome people like yourself, but two is to understand the stories behind the successes. So I could start putting like, what are the clues and what are the, what's the common thread here? Because 
I just need help to make sure I can help my patients as much as possible. And, um, but yeah, that's really awesome. And that's where I think this coaching element, teaching physicians, coaching behaviors and and skills would be so very important and helpful. And um, I think that's fantastic. So how long was, um, how long did it take you to write the book? And then again, where can they get the book? Where can we get the book? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Um, (laughs) It's available on Amazon. So you can just search my name, Danielle Dinkelman. Um, we'll have I also a link. Have a, we'll have a link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get a link for that. Um, so again, it's if diets don't work, what does? Um, <laughs> I am a, I'm a pretty go-getter type, and I I wrote and published this book in six months, <laughs> and that's yeah. totally insane. And I'm not gonna lie, I've been experiencing a little bit of burnout after that big push. I'm mm-hmm. so happy and grateful to have it out there now. And now I'm in major recovery mode. Like I'm really lying low and like taking it easy and practicing what I preach, right? Of, of recovering from recovering from stress and mm-hmm. taking care of myself. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a wonderful whirlwind. And now it's this ongoing resource that, you know, sometimes people aren't ready to work with a coach yet because they haven't really gotten clarity on what they want to see different, or maybe they don't see diet culture for what it is. Um, Mm. So this book is just that perfect piece that whenever I have someone just say, oh, you're a health coach. That's so cool. I've always struggled Mm. with my weight and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, here's the book. Mm. (laughs) Start here. Well, I I think you also offer a discovery call. Mm -hmm. I think that even that alone would be worth, you know, people's time just to just kind of investigate what that you know looks like because mm-hmm. um like I said you know I, I reached out to physicians who are specialists and things and things that I don't know or understand or you know mm-hmm. put them in pipe my patients trying to get resources for them because we can't all know everything and do everything and we just can't but that's where that connection and network and is very helpful and that's where that type of book but my that first year of me doing this, actually, I took where, like you said, you're just learning these patients are asking the same questions. They're, yeah. This is the same struggles. And that's how uh-huh. healthyhumanrevolution.com came along. I literally created a 30-page handout. I used it for years in my own practice. It turned into a seven-day course. It's super simple. It's free. Everybody, everything you need to go to a plant-based diet is in this, like everything. And yeah. you just do that. You'll be cool. You'll be set on your way. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's it is a very interesting journey but when you can take something that you've learned from someone else and employ it in your own life or get the expertise from the coach who's helped others in in their own experiments and everything that just moves you faster along that your journey so I think coaching Mm -hmm. is uh, invaluable for many people Um, some can get it from book um, but many's I think just just that reflection piece and where you're guiding them to start thinking oh, I never thought about that. You're opening up the door a little wider for them too. That experience is super helpful. So this is totally. awesome. So on Amazon and your website is Danielle Dinkelman.com. Danielle Dinkelman, mm-hmm. D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E. And then the last name's tricky, D-I-N-K-E-L-M-A-N. Yeah, not L-E-E-L. No. Gotcha, perfect. Well, we will put um, all the links guys in the show notes on the podcast and YouTube. And any last final advice or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience where you'd like to, to see the world go? 
Mm. Well, I, I would love to touch on what you mentioned about kind of the older generation and, and that old model of looking outside of ourselves for mm. the answer, outside of ourselves for the authority. And that's very deeply ingrained. And this is the piece that if you want to get ready to work with a coach, start here. Start by recognizing that you are the expert on your own life. You are your own authority. And a coach's job is really to help you tap into that and tap into your own wisdom and intuition and then to just guide, right? So I just want to invite people and the way the work where I would love to see the world go is that people are taking a little more internal, looking more internally rather than always hopping on Google and taking somebody else's word for it. But really you can trust yourself and you can ask yourself questions like, what am I ready for next? You know, or what do I want that's different? How could I create that? What's a small step that I could take and if I did it consistently, what would, what would feel correct for me? And listen to what comes. It will come in a thought, a feeling, an idea. Trust it, run with it. Um, but you are, you are your own best authority. And yes, support, guidance is great, but it's always going to be best if it comes from inside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and that is really the key because the, those who are successful, they tune into that frequency of what's successful for them. And it'll keep them, you know, going down the right path for them at that point in their life at that time. And yeah. when you, you have some of these external they that's the ones that they get excited for a week and then they fail. And then they go on to the next thing because they've never really looked at what am I wanting at this point? What can I do? What do I have the ability to do right now? And it may just be, you know, one deep breath exercise they do before sleep. And that may be all they can muster. But at the end of the week, you've done this for seven days in a row. And then you're like, wow, these are seven wins. And that celebration, I think, is another key factor to anchor the consistency of the habits. And that's, you know, that's really huge piece. So that's, that's excellent. So I love that very much. So thank you, Danielle, for expelling your wisdom and joy and love and helping others. And I wish you the best success with your book and your practice. And everyone check it out, DanielleDinkelman.com and her book. And I think you'll get everything. Like I said, it's in the um, the show notes, the link to where you can get it. And um, I'm excited for everyone who gets to partake in that. So thank you. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for watching. And I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go though, please hit the subscribe button and the alert button so you will be notified whenever we upload any new videos. On Monday, we upload the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find it on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. On Tuesdays, we upload the Doctors In. This is where I answer your questions. Thinking of that, could you please comment below any questions you might have about health or wellness or any topics that you would like me to cover? Now, if you're looking for more resources on how to start a plant-based diet, sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, anything regarding wellness, we've got you covered. Check out healthyhumanrevolution.com. And again, thanks for watching.